Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Merry Christmas. Welcome to another edition of South Sports Live right here on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, however you find me. Thank you very much. South Sports on Twitter, of course. Uh, South Sports Facebook page. You can do that. And it's on YouTube. Coach Sal C is the YouTube page. We're all over. We're live. And of course, it's the podcast as well. If you don't get to the live version of the live show every Thursday night, but this week it's on Wednesday because Thursday's Christmas Eve. And then, of course, you can just listen on the audio version, sell sports and stuff. Really want to welcome you in and thank you very much for joining me during this Christmas holiday season. And yes, it is Santa Sal coming your way today here to talk about the Bills and the Patriots, your AFC East division champs for the first time since 1995. I mean, how cool is that to say? How cool is that to hear? And of course, the team that the Buffalo Bills took the throne from this year is the team they're going to face on Monday night, the New England Patriots. Monday night football in Foxborough, the Bills and the Patriots. The Patriots have nothing to play for, so we're going to find out exactly what that means from my man Evan Lazar coming up here in just a moment when I bring him into the stream. But just want to kind of rehash last week, Saturday, the Bills obviously won against the Denver Broncos, and that win gave them the AFC East Division title. First time, like I said, since 1995. An incredible scene at the Buffalo airport when the team arrived back. Now, I've been on these trips with the team, obviously, the last few years. The Dolphins be, uh, making the playoffs in Miami in 2017, breaking the drought. Last year, making the playoffs in Pittsburgh on a Sunday night. It was amazing. I, I've seen it happen. I've seen it firsthand. I've been there. Unfortunately, this year, not able to because the radio broadcast crew, we can't travel to the games with the team uh, for obvious reasons because of COVID and protocols and things like that. Uh, but I sat back and watched it, and I know exactly what it's like to get off that plane and to see so many thousand screaming Bills Mafia members. It's pretty incredible. And uh, obviously, you deserve this, Buffalo. You really do. B Bills fans deserve this to happen. It's been so, so long. I don't think anybody could have predicted back in 1995 that it would be a quarter century the next time the Buffalo Bills won the division. But that's exactly what happened. All right. The team, obviously, that got in their way for 20 years, pretty much, with Tom Brady, with Bill Belichick the New England Patriots. It is a much different season for the New England Patriots this year. They are basically playing out the string at six and eight. And joining me right now is Evan Lazar, who's going to talk about that. Uh, he is the host of the Patriots Beat podcast, and he joined me just a few weeks ago when we talked a little bit about the Patriots when the two teams played at home. So let's do that right now. We'll bring Evan in and welcome to the program, my man. I appreciate you doing this as always. No problem, Sal. Appreciate you having me on. I love the hat. I love the festive, uh, the festive gear. I, if I had known that we were wearing hats, I would have grabbed mine. Uh, hey, anytime you want to grab one, it's okay. But you know, I, I think it makes it a lot easier here in Buffalo 
to be festive because of what's going on here in Buffalo, right? I mean, this is really a celebration. And and I try to explain it to Evan, and I'm sure you understand, like, yeah, we we hear it from Patriots fans. Oh, great, you're celebrating a division, whatever, whoop-de-doo. Like, but, you know, it is a big deal here. It's been a quarter yeah. century. I mean, there's a lot of Bills fans that weren't even alive to see this the last time it happened. No, it's a big deal, and I think Patriots fans are spoiled. I think they've taken it for granted over the years a little bit, and this has been kind of a harsh reality for all of us. You know, I, I've been covering the team for four years now. I'm used to working in January. It doesn't sound like, well, I know for a fact we're not going to be working in January. So it's definitely a much different vibe, um, you know, around the team right now, certainly. Even with Coach Belichick in the mornings when we have his press conferences, it's kind of just a, you know, awkwardness of you know what do you what do you really talk about at this point what do you really ask and I think everybody sort of doesn't know how to handle it so if I was a Bills fan I would be cheering about it also I'd be really excited about it too and I'm sure Patriots fans when they do get back into winning the division hopefully sometime soon but uh, maybe it is further down the road will not take it for granted anymore how hard it is to win your division yeah one of the things that seems like it's happening and and I'm sure this is just the naivety of basically younger Patriots fan. But I mean, I remember the, I remember when they were bad. I remember even yeah. having the top pick, even Irving Fryer back in the eighties and obviously drew Bledsoe. So, so you know what I'm talking about, but it seems like there's, there's this sense from some Patriots fans who think they're just going to get this franchise QB who falls out of the sky. Like Tom Brady basically did um, back in 2000, but that's not the case. There's a lot of work to do here for the Patriots. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about where this roster stands going into the future and how much work has to be done. It's very muddied right now, and it's not just quarterback. I think quarterback will get most of the attention in the offseason, but the last two weeks they've given up 436 yards on the ground to uh, the Rams and to Miami, who rushed for, uh, I think it was 250 or something like that against them last week on Sunday. So they have issues in the front seven. We definitely knew that that was going to come into fruition going into the season when Dante Hightower opted out. Kyle Van Noy is now in Miami. Landon Roberts went with him. Jamie Collins is in Detroit. So we talked about this last time, you know, they had a lot of roster turnover in that front seven. And I still think even though they've used some resources in the last couple of drafts, some Michigan guys and Uche and Winovich and Anthony Jennings out of Alabama at that edge linebacker type of position that we know in this Bill Belichick defense is extremely important. But they haven't really had those guys blossom quite yet into early down players. Winovich and Uche have really rushed the passer extremely well, but they haven't been able to set the edge and stop the run. So that's been a big concern for this defense. Offensive side of the ball, I think they've done a nice job of finding sort of those you know, middle tier guys at wide receiver that can be a part of a depth chart, right? Those are a nice two through four, maybe for the Patriots in the future, but they don't have that number one guy. They don't have that person that you come into the game and you circle, you know, like a Stefan Diggs and say, how are we going to stop this guy? What we're going to have to, you know, get ready for him. We're going to have the game plan for him right now. It's a bunch of depth guys trying to prop this offense up to being uh, what would offense would look like if they had a viable pass catcher at the top of that depth chart. They're still kind of searching for that tight end answer. Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, their two rookies have played a little bit more recently, but neither one of them has left much to be, um, you know, nothing impressive so far, I wouldn't say. So they have a lot of holes on this team outside of quarterback. And I look at how the Bills kind of did it, and you sort of think, okay, you know, even if you put a Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance or someone like that into this offense in 2021, it might be more skilled and more accurate passer at this point than Cam Newton. It's not going to be as simple as just plug and play that guy and let it go because they just have so many holes in this roster. All right, let's talk about Cam Newton. Where does that stand? Do you see him with the Patriots in, in 2021 or has this been an experiment that they basically need to move on from? <laughs> 
Well, I, I wrote today, uh, yesterday actually about how I kind of feel like Cam is still the bridge quarterback that they need. He's not the long-term answer. I think he's proven that, unfortunately, if you're a Patriots fan. But in terms of getting to that next guy, uh, I think that they could do a whole lot worse than Cam Newton has given them. And I think another year in the system with hopefully improved weapons around him as well in the offseason, they can sort of work towards that, right, of, of having a guy that can then take over and be in a comfortable situation. I think if you throw a rookie in week one to the dog, so to speak, it's going to be a tough look. And so I, I would like to see them, unless they can go out there and make a huge splash in the quarterback market and trade for, you know, maybe a Matthew Stafford comes available or a Matt Ryan comes available. Uh, those are sort of pie in the sky dream scenarios for me at this point. So I would say sticking with Cam for one more year and going out in the draft and really addressing that position head on in the draft is probably the way they're going to go about it. Evan Lazar, CLNS Media, host also of the Patriots Beat podcast. Joining me here, Sal Capaccio on Sal Sports Live and the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. What about for this week? Does Cam Newton start? Do they try to see what they have in Jared Stidham? I know that uh, Belichick's been kind of vague and noncommittal either way. He's been very mum about it and, uh, frankly, uh, flat out annoyed by all the questions that he's gotten from the media about who's going to start a quarterback for the next two weeks. He basically told us this morning, I'll let you know when there's a change, but stop asking me that question because yeah, I have nothing new to tell you guys. I, I think with Jared Stidham, they haven't really seen that fire under the hood yet that they would like to see. They haven't seen a guy in camp or even during the season that's really come back and, and – uh, you know, wanted to win that starting job, wanting to take that starting job from Cam Newton. When Tom Brady got here, and not to compare everybody to Tom Brady, but when Tom Brady got here, he basically said, I'm taking that job from Drew Bledsoe. You know, this is going to be my job someday. And I think they haven't gotten that sort of vibe from Jared Stidham yet. And he hasn't really done anything in practice to make them want to play him. Because honestly, if he had done something in practice or they had seen the right things behind the scenes, Cam has not played well enough to hold that starting job for no reason, you know? So if they had saw something with Stidham recently that they felt like he was a better option, then I think they would have made the switch a long time ago. You know, they lost their quarterback's coach. Today it was announced that he's going yeah. to be leaving to go to Arizona to be their new head coach at college of football. Um, what about the state of the assistants? Because every year we see a lot of turnover, it seems. People get plucked from that particular staff. I haven't heard much about McDaniels this year, but you never know when Josh McDaniels is going to be a leading candidate for one of these head jobs. Well, I know he would love to be the head coach of the Chargers, but I don't know if the Chargers have the same kind of interest as McDaniels has in them. Uh, but that's you know sort of the rumor on the street is that there might be some mutual interest between the Chargers and Josh McDaniels here coming down the road. But the pipeline on the offensive side of the ball is nowhere near what it is on the defensive side of the ball. On defense, Steve Belichick, Gerard Mayo, both of those guys I think are going to move up the ladder here in the next couple of years, whether it's in New England or elsewhere. But on the offensive side of the ball, it's basically Jed Fish, now that he's gone to Arizona, the University of Arizona, it's basically Josh McDaniels and a bunch of guys that aren't really aspiring to be play callers or offensive coordinators and things like that, you know. Ivan Fears has been coaching the running backs for about 20 years now. Everybody loves Ivan Fears in the building, but he's never really he's a lot like Dante Scarnecchia. He's kind of satisfied with just coaching the running backs. And I don't think that he's really the type of guy that wants to go out there and call plays. Nick Cayley, their tight end coach has been around a little bit. 
maybe he's somebody that they could, uh, you know, be interested in. Tyler Hughes has worked as an offensive assistant, mostly with quarterbacks, and he might be somebody that could get tabbed as the next quarterbacks coach. I don't know if he's ready to take on a whole play calling responsibilities. But the Patriots, I think, are going to be looking at a house if Josh McDaniels ends up walking for the next play caller until they groom one of these young head coaches to take that job. Is Julian Edelman playing this week? I don't think so. You know, he's he's in a situation now where basically we we're hearing that it's a bone on bone kind of knee cartilage type of situation that he's just going to have to manage pretty much the rest of his career, you know, in terms of a pain tolerance and when he's going to be able to play and when he's not going to be able to play. Obviously, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to send him out there now that they don't uh, are mathematically eliminated. I mean, it, it really doesn't make much sense, but uh, he's a gamer. You know, he's the type of guy, as you, I'm sure you know, Sal, that really wants to be out there with his teammates that doesn't want to quit on the season and uh, he's going to do everything it takes to get back out there. I, I don't think they're going to let him play though. Yeah, that's interesting. And you wonder what that career is after this, right? I mean, you know, he he has shown a, a drop off in production. And I think it also shows that he isn't moving as well as he used to. So what is his future in New England after this? It's a good question. And I think the biggest thing with you look at with Edelman is the emergence of Jacoby Myers, who has basically taken his job. You know, Edelman took Wes Welker's job. Wes Welker maybe took Deion Branch or Troy Brown's job, whichever way you want to look at it. And now it just kind of continues that succession plan. Now, Jacoby Myers, who since week nine, when he really started playing more and Edelman got hurt and a couple of different things happened to open up the depth chart for Jacoby Myers, He's on pace right now to have a thousand yard season. If we stretch those nine games over a 16 game span, he's averaging almost 70 receiving yards per game and five catches per game. So he's played extremely well for them. And uh, he's sort of the future slot Z receiver, kind of that Cole Beasley, Julian Edelman type of role. And I think that he's going to probably man that role moving forward because they got to get younger there. They got to get a little bit more eye towards the future. And Jacoby Myers has done a lot of things to be very impressive. Hey, let me ask you what the reaction's been to Brady and Tampa now. I think we went over this the first time the teams play. Yeah. You told me there's a lot of Brady fans in New England, of course. They're still rooting yeah. for that. And there, there, there's no doubt. I totally understand that. But has that has that, uh, has that gone even more so? Or are people kind of now being maybe even more angry at seeing his success down there? Yeah, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, I think. I, honestly, for, for me personally, my experience is that I think people are a little bit more angry about Rob Gronkowski oh. than, than Tom Brady because Gronk, you know, he, reti- he retired and then he came back to play in Tampa Bay when he didn't have to play for Belichick. The Patriots obviously have been hurting at tight end for the last two years. One of the worst production-wise, the worst tight end group in the NFL for two straight years so uh, it would be nice to have 87 out there for new england you know obviously 12 too and i think with brady he made some comments a few weeks ago it's, it was tongue-in-cheek it was supposed to be a joke but basically he said that he you wouldn't catch me dead in a new england winter ever again and that did not go over well i you know there was pl- places writing columns about you know tom brady was never one of us and you know that that type of stuff and it, it, i took it as a joke but you know how people get and it was it, he didn't need to go there right and he right. he basically said that i love tampa bay i love the beach i love the weather down here and uh instead of kind of playing it off like you know an old man retired to florida type of situation it was more of a it came across a little bit like a dig to new england so not not exactly taken very well around here no and it's funny because we're the ones that are always seen like we're so sensitive up here and anybody says anything about buffalo everybody goes crazy on you kids yeah. 
Michael Winters. So you guys know what it's like. And if somebody says that, but you know, because the Patriots have been winning for so long and they had Brady, no one talks like that, but now he makes it, by the way, he is a great troller on Twitter. What he did to Tony Dungy was pretty incredible. He's a great troller on Twitter and he's a great football player still. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot of um, the frustration too, is just how did this, how did they let this happen? Right. I think that we talked a lot about this in our, on CLNS and other places, you know, back in March when he did actually make the decision to leave, but you just kind of, how did cooler heads not prevail in this situation? And how did Josh, uh, excuse me, Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick not sit down with Tom Brady and be like, Tom, you know, you're not actually going to leave, right? You know, we're not actually going to let you walk out the door. What do you want? And I think that you see what happens when you don't give that franchise guy the contract and the love and the, you know, all the different things that they, those guys want to stroke their egos a little bit. Uh, you put yourself in a situation where you have Cam Newton as your quarterback the next year and you're kind of, you know, chasing it, right. You're, you're kind of searching for that next guy. And uh, I think that they, in a way kind of took Tom Brady for granted a little bit. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, by the way, we're chatting with Evan Lazar, EZ Lazar. You can find him on Twitter. He's the host of the Patriots beat podcast. So I saw you tweeting a little bit about Josh Allen today. Um, yeah, I said some things that did not go over well with Bill's fans. It's okay. Well, you tell me what you think of him because, um, you know, there's an inferiority complex here in Buffalo sometimes when anybody says anything bad at all. But at the same time, he's having this great season. I think a lot of people have come around on Josh Allen from where they were. What, what do you see from the outside? Well, I just think what's incredible about him is the downfield accuracy, right? And if you look at the history of the quarterback position – quarterbacks don't go from 59% completions to 70% completions in one season. It just doesn't happen. And most of the time when you have a quarterback that's inaccurate, he's inaccurate for his entire career. And that's just sort of something that the offense and the receivers and everybody around him just kind of works around. Well, Josh Allen's game has kind of taken that next step in so many different ways. You know, mentally you see him now going through his progressions, understanding coverage rotations, you know, making the right decisions based off the reads. He made a throw to Stefan Diggs uh, last week where his first read was uh, was a covered his second read was covered and he went came all the way back to the right side of the field to throw a deep comeback to Stefan Diggs and it was right on time so it's not necessarily the fact that he wasn't going one two three before but the fact that he went so quickly through one and two and got to three in time to hit Stefan Diggs coming out of his break was something that I just didn't really see from him in years past the other throw that really stood out uh, was that play action pass where he looped it over the uh, defender there and it just had pressure in his face it was nice a scheme up front and they got him right on top of him and he was just able to make that throw and I, I think a few years ago that might be a pick that might be a sack you know that might be a bad negative play for the offense instead now he knows you know I can anticipate that the tight end's coming across the formation and I can hit that throw and then you obviously have the rocket on the touchdown uh, up the middle there that just kind of points it all together of, Hey, you know, this guy's got a rocket arm. Now the mental side of it's catching up for him. And uh, again, I think the accuracy is the biggest um, just thing. That's amazing. You know, you look at all the advanced metrics in terms of his accuracy, he's top five in pretty much everybody's ratings in terms of, you know, completion percentage over expected or on target percentage from PFR or accurate throws or catchable throws from PFF and all these, you know, grading sites and stuff like that all have him as one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. And I just think that what we saw out of 2019 and 2018, Josh Allen, that's just an absolute shock. Um, what did Bills fans get upset at you about then? Did you say he's going to regress back to that or something? No, no. I said that they got, you know, they put him in a great position and they got a little bit lucky that he was able to kind of take those next steps and they didn't like that I used the word lucky. Uh, well, you know, but yeah, exactly. We get a little sensitive because Josh yeah. was so 
people are so dug in on him as you've seen, you know, and they just, they, it, it's it, everybody, they want everybody to just recognize how great he's been. And, and you did, yeah. I read a lot of your stuff today on him in tweets and, and you were giving him a lot of praise, but I am wondering about how Patriots fans see the division and the quarterback stacking up right now, because you got Allen, you got Tua. And of course I think Brian Flores to me, Brian Flores, I, I would vote for him coach. the year. I mean, I just think he's, he's done a great job with what he's had in Miami. Like wh- what do Patriots fans What's the vibe in New England about the rest of the division right now where it stands? Naive for the most part, you know, just kind of ignoring the fact that the Bills, I'd say more so than anybody else, are set up to have success for a very long time. Miami, I think that people are starting to realize how great of a coach and a person Brian Flores is. We all said that and everybody said it on his way out, but I think now it's really coming to fruition just how great of a just mind and general and leader of people Brian Flores is and the Jets are still the Jets so I think that people are are at least saying hey we're still we're still not the Jets right but in terms of the Bills and the Dolphins I mean they're going to be legitimate you know issues for the Patriots long term here maybe more so than they've had in a long time in that division so I I think that that's going to be a really fun uh, element to it is that you're not just going back into that AFC East where for a couple of years there, and it, the AFC East was always a little bit better than people gave it credit for. But there's always there's a couple of years there certainly where the Patriots had an easy go of it and they kind of rolled to 14 and two every single year and it wasn't so difficult. But I think that now the Patriots not only have to figure their stuff out, but they have an uphill battle to also get over these teams as well. And that's definitely different than maybe the first time around. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, by the way, I mean, for you professionally, I, I would feel bad if you went 20 years of no playoffs, but nobody's going to cry if that happens in Buffalo for the New England Patriots and their fans for what we've had here. A um, couple of things before I get you out of here. Number one, how – now? so there's this there's this Fox Sports fan poll, the Bills fans win. They didn't even know what the prize was. It winds up being a billboard near Foxborough, near Gillette Stadium. How has that gone over this week in New England? Well, I saw reporters today. Uh, we're on like a rotating practice schedule right now because yeah. of COVID. And uh, we saw a bunch of reporters today taking pictures of Bills fans actually outside the, with the bill, you know, the, taking a picture with the billboard. I, I don't think it's necessarily gone over poorly. I think a lot of Patriots fans are saying kind of, you know, you guys won the division. That's cute. Right. You know, like, talk to me when you win six Super Bowls, right? Yeah. Um, but that flex is, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I would have liked to see the billboard be a little bit more creative, you know, it, incorporate some more Bill's Mafia type of things, you know, maybe a broken table or, uh, you know, a, a dig at Tom Brady or Bill Belichick or something like that. But uh, it, it, I think it's great that, you know, Buffalo fans decided to put the billboard in Foxborough on purpose. And I, I just love the whole sentiment behind it that they uh, they hate us that much that they want right outside the stadium to place this billboard there. I mean, I, I like the rivalry. I do. Oh man, I'll tell you. When I was growing up, Sabres and Bruins, I just I couldn't stand it. You know, I mean, it wasn't the Patriots in football; they weren't that good. But it was the Bruins. So the whole Boston Buffalo thing definitely happens here. All right, last thing before I get you out of here, just your take on the AFC overall as we roll into the playoffs here. There's a lot of good teams. I mean, you look at the AFC; it's very, very uh, a lot of fattening in the middle there with compared to the NFC, right? So how do you see the AFC shaking out? Well, I can tell you from firsthand experience that beating Patrick Mahomes is not an easy feat. And that's something that I think all Buffalo fans, I I think the Bills, you know, have a chance to match up pretty well against the Chiefs with their secondary. And I think Allen, you know, can put up some points against the Chiefs defense. But until somebody proves to me that they can make all the plays that Patrick Mahomes does, especially at the end of games, I think he gets credit for all the no-look passes and the 80-yard bombs and stuff like that all the time. But his fourth quarters are just incredible and I I just remember 
you know, the 2018 title game where the Patriots did win the game in overtime, but they were up by two touchdowns going into the fourth quarter in Kansas City. And Mahomes went toe-to-toe with Brady in that fourth quarter and brought him right back to send that game to overtime. You know, this guy is, uh, he's a tough out. He's a tough out. Now, I give the Bills the edge. You know, Pittsburgh doesn't look like they're, they're kind of going in the wrong direction there. So maybe that's a good thing for the Bills. And uh, I think that Cleveland's going to be a little bit of a tough out too. You know, they have a lot of talent on that team. And he's, Kevin Stefanski's scheme has really caught a lot of people's eyes around the league. And the way they can run the football, the way they can play defense, uh, that's going to just be a tough January team to beat, I think. But uh, Buffalo's looking good. They're looking like they're potentially going to Kansas City uh, for an AFC title game. And I think that that's going to be a pretty fascinating matchup. Well, let's hope they get through game one first because it's been one and done for two out of the last three years. Now it's time for this team to take the next step, of course. But Evan, always appreciate your time, especially this week during Christmas week. Uh, I know there won't be any playoffs for you to cover this year, but uh, obviously great job this year on the beat. And thank you very much as always. I really appreciate you're great at what you do as far as breaking down film and stuff. So I recommend anybody going to EZ Lazar on Twitter. Thanks a lot. Merry Christmas, man. You too, Sal. All right. Thank you very much. That is Evan Lazar joining me here on Sal Sports and stuff on the podcast. And of course, on Sal Sports Live. I always appreciate him. Let me just uh, get his name off the screen there because I do that sometimes. Then people come and they think I'm the person that's actually the guest. I'm not. My name's Sal. Thanks. Uh, someone in the chat box said, Sal Sports on a Wednesday? Of course. It's Christmas Eve tomorrow. So I, I got to give you guys a chance for Christmas Eve. I mean, I could be Santa Sal, but you know, I'm, I'm busy on Christmas Eve because I got Max, who's seven, and Santa's got to come to the house, and we got to get ready and all that kind of stuff. So, Bills, Patriots, Monday night. You know what's really cool about this week? You get Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday of football. Friday, there's a game, an NFL football game. What's the Vikings and, you know, I forget right now. I have to take a look. Wait, who's, who's playing on Friday? It is the Vikings at the Saints. There you go. I knew that. Just want to make sure. All right. On Saturday, three games. Bucks at Lions, 1 o'clock. 49ers at Cardinals, 4.30. Dolphins at Raiders, 8.15. That Dolphins-Raiders game is very big for the Bills because – Obviously, the Dolphins are trying for that last playoff spot or to at least get into the playoffs. And as it stands right now, they are in a playoff spot. So if that continues to happen, it could really be where the Bills play the Dolphins week 17 and then in the wildcard round. So we don't know. But here's what's cool, though. On Sunday, then, the two games that matter the most for the Bills, which is Indy at Pittsburgh and at on Sunday night, Tennessee, the Titans at the Green Bay Packers. If the Colts beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh, which is very possible, and if the Packers beat the Titans in Green Bay on Sunday night, the Bills are going Monday night to Foxborough with a chance to wrap up, clinch the number two seed in the AFC. So again, Steelers lose, Titans lose on Sunday. The Bills have a chance with a win on Monday to wrap up the number two seed in the AFC. And then they can think about resting players week 17 against Miami, and that would be the ultimate scenario because if Miami has to win, then they're going to come to Buffalo. They're going to go do everything they can to win. And Buffalo will get a good, the Bills will get a good read on their game plan and you know everything they want to do, rolling into possibly a rematch the following week. But we'll see where it goes because the Bills do have plenty of other scenarios and where they can play other teams. The Ravens are one of them. The Browns are another one. The Colts, the t- whoever. And the Bills, they could still drop to the number four seed, which means they'd have to play Kansas City in round number two. This is a really, really interesting and big weekend to kind of shuffle the deck, if you will. It's moving day, right? Like in golf, you have moving day on Saturday. All right, so let's go uh, to, all right, beef fried rice. Thank you. He says, what's up? 
with John Smoke Brown? Is he coming back or are they saving him up for the playoffs? We don't know. We don't know. We do know this. He can he can be he can come off IR this week. He is practicing this week. And if he comes off IR, it would have to be now. Here's the thing. It's normally Saturday at four. This week, because they play on Monday, it's Monday at 4 p.m. If the Bills want John Brown to play on Monday night, they have to activate him by Monday at 4 p.m. And if they do that, he's good to go. If not, they only have one week left. They have to activate him before the week 17 game, guys. If they don't do that, he can't play at all. So it's going to happen. He's either going to be activated before this week or next week. He doesn't have to play. He just has to be activated to the active roster. So I hope that answered uh, your question. All right. Zach says, I love you, Sal. Thanks always doing these. I appreciate it too. I love all of you guys. Thank you very much for uh, coming aboard. What do we got here? Joe, first round of the playoffs in Buffalo. Who do you prefer we see? The Dolphins, Steelers, or Colts? To be honest with you, Joe, I think the Dolphins would be the best matchup for the Bills because I would love to see I think the Bills would be able to handle Tua, a rookie quarterback, in his first playoff game on the road, coming from Miami in January. They don't have a lot of great, you know, skill position players to worry about. They have a very good defense. We know that. They take the ball away. They score on defense. But as long as you don't allow that to happen, I think the Bills should be able to take care of the Dolphins in that situation. Um, the Steelers probably would be the next best team in choice in this for me because we've seen that Ben Roethlisberger at this point is just a shell of himself. They can't throw deep. You just sit on that short stuff like the Bills did the entire game when they played last time, like the Bengals did uh, the other night when they played and were able to beat them. Uh, you dared Ben Roethlisberger to beat you with his arm, and I just don't see it happening. The Colts would be a, a scarier team because they are the most balanced of that group. I think they're they're a team that poses some problems both throwing the ball with Philip Rivers and running the ball with Jonathan Taylor and company. And then on defense, they're very good in the front seven. Um, I just think they're the most well-balanced and, and solid group all around special teams as well, and they're very well coached. I think that would be the scariest, but I do think there's opportunity for the Bills, no matter who they play, for them to score points. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really fun, and we got a whole, whole week to think about it. That's right. Joe says, Hawaiian rookie played in Alabama, now in Miami. Yeah, I mean, like he is not used to the cold or playing like that, so we'll see what happens, and we'll find out week 17 when they come here. Thanks a lot for all of you for coming here tonight. We're done already. See how quick that goes? My thanks to Evan Lazar from the Patriots Beat Podcast. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, Sal Sports and stuff in the podcast. If you don't, please do. It's available on iTunes. It's available at WGR550.com. Of course, I'll be on again tomorrow morning on WGR with Howard. Uh, Jeremy is off this week. And a special announcement, I will be reading my annual, which was the night before Buffalo Sports Christmas, tomorrow at 8 a.m. Tomorrow at 8 a.m., which was the night before Buffalo Sports Christmas. That's when I'll be reading it. It's going to be hopefully fantastic. Hopefully you'll love it. In the meantime. Thank you all so much. Merry Christmas. I'm humbled and honored to be able to bring this to you and all the uh, compliments that you guys give me and things like that. It really is uh, an awesome experience being able to cover this team in this particular year with what's going on. Um, I know that some challenges along the way, of course, because of COVID and things like that, but you know, we're going to get through all that. I know we're going to get through all that. We'll see what happens. I didn't want to touch much on the, um, the fan issue today. I know that's come up. We'll talk more about that when we know more. In case you don't know, Governor Cuomo in, in New York uh, said there is a plan that they're working on to possibly have 6,700 Bills fans in the stadium for their playoff game or games, which would be amazing. We don't know a lot about that. The Bills haven't released a statement, or I shouldn't say they haven't released much uh, upon an initial statement, just basically confirming that you know they're talking with the state about this. So we'll see what happens. We all hope it happens. It would be great to see Bills Mafia out there. In the meantime, great to see all of you tonight. Great to see all of you in the chat box as well. Thank you very much. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. However you celebrate, whatever you celebrate, I appreciate you coming aboard. And uh, thanks for downloading, subscribing, and as always, listening to South Sports and stuff on the podcast and uh, checking out WGR 550. I'll be on tomorrow morning, Friday morning. Uh, was that Friday? No. Did I say Friday? Thursday morning <laughs> with Howard Simon on the morning show on WGR 6 to 10.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.